0: Praise the Lord. Lord. These have been some really good lessons this um, season, I guess. (laughs) Forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. I'm really enjoying them. Thank you, Pastor. All right, we have some announcements. This Saturday, July 1st, is our Youth and Hyphen Game Night. Uh, We are going to have it at the church this month. Uh, So come on out here. If you have any favorite snacks, bring those and share with us. Uh, Family camp is going on July 2nd through the 7th. If you can make it to any of the services, that would be wonderful. You would be blessed. Uh, We will not have Bible study here on the 5th, that Wednesday. Um, So, you know, that makes it available for you to attend in person if not, we are going to have um, a link on the Facebook page for the Wisconsin Media Ministries so that you can see all of the, I'm sorry, I'm losing my my words here. You, you'll be able to watch the camp services. I don't think they're going to be able to make them live uh, just because of the service, uh, the reception out there, but they will have them Post it out there shortly after, as you know, as soon as they can. So if you're not able to see the one on Wednesday, you can look at the ones from Tuesday and Monday. But yes, join us either in person or online with the camp meetings. Also, July 8th is the men's prayer at 8 a.m. and then the ladies at 10 a.m. We're going to continue in our book Notable Women of the Bible, chapter 10. Uh, Martha and Mary and Martha. We're going to discuss that. So if you have that book, come prepared. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
1: And it seems all help is gone. Jesus whispers, Do not falter. I will leave thee not alone. Then somehow amidst my trials, how it is I cannot see. Still I hear a voice from heaven GENTLY SAYING FOLLOW ME THERE IS SUNSHINE IN THE SHADOW THERE IS SUNSHINE IN THE RAIN THERE IS SUNSHINE IN OUR SORROW When our hearts are filled with pain, there is sunshine when we're burdened. There is sunshine when we pray. There is sunshine heavenly sunshine blessed sunshine all the way sometimes my friends do forsake me and i'm tempted to despair then i think of My dear Jesus, to lay His head, He had nowhere. Oh, it pays to follow Jesus, just to learn of Him each day. And I guarantee my brother, you'll have sunshine all the way there is sunshine in the shadow there is sunshine in the rain there is sunshine in our sorrow When our hearts are filled with pain, there is sunshine when we're burdened. There is sunshine when we pray. There is sunshine heavenly sunshine blessed sunshine all the way let me recommend him to you i have found no friend like him he is one who'll ne'er deceive you But stay with you to the end. If you would have peace and comfort, let his banner be unfurled. He was lifted up on Calvary and his name can save the world there is sunshine in the shadow there is sunshine in the rain there is sunshine in our sorrow When our hearts are filled with pain, there is sunshine when we're burdened. There is sunshine when we pray, there is sunshine. Heavenly sunshine, blessed sunshine, all the way. There is sunshine in the shadow. There is sunshine in the rain. There is sunshine in our sorrow. When our hearts are filled with pain, there is sunshine when we're burdened. There is sunshine when we pray. There is sunshine. Heavenly sunshine, blessed sunshine, all the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are such a good friend to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, One other reminder, there is a get-together at the DeMuth after church. If you have forgotten or just never knew where they lived, please uh, make contact with either brother or sister DeMuth and you can get directions. We'd love to have you there. We love fellowship, don't we? So just a reminder to... Come on out and enjoy some time together. I have found His grace is
1: all complete. He supplyeth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. I have found the pleasure I once craved it is joy and peace within what a wondrous blessing I am safe from the awful gulf of sin it is joy unspeakable and full of glory full of Glory full of glory, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told, I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. Oh, the Savior's presence is so near, I can see His smiling face. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of Glory! It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All oh, the half has never yet been told. I have found a joy no tongue can tell. How its ways of glory roll! It is like a great flowing well springing up within my soul. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable. Unspeakable and full of glory. All oh, the half has never yet been told. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory all the half has never yet been told thank you jesus hallelujah praise you jesus hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you lord for that joy oh lord hallelujah that passes all understanding Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
2: Jesus.
1: Hallelujah. What a fellowship. What a joy, divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning, say. And secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all arms. to dread. What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What Have I to fear Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace With my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning And secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all.
2: Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Holy and worthy and righteous and mighty are you, Lord Jesus. Oh, your ways are perfect. They're past finding out, Lord Jesus. Holy and righteous and mighty and worthy are you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We praise you. We exalt You, we magnify You, we glorify You. Holy and worthy and righteous and mighty God, have Your way among Your people today. Lord, let Your will be done in this place. Father, fill this place with Your angels, O God. Minister in this place today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I give honor to my pastor and Sister Becker. Amen. For being my pastor and for allowing me the privilege. Of being before you today, and and for for him listening to the Holy Ghost and knowing um, who to allow into his pulpit, and um, <coughs> just let the Holy Ghost speak to you today. Okay. Amen. First Corinthians, four verses one and two. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Hallelujah. And if you're there, say Amen. Let a man so count of us. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Let a man so count of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. How many want God to have His way? Amen. I want God to have His way. God's going to have His way. Amen. Amen. Let a man so count of, account of us. He's writing this letter to the church at Corinth and to all the churches. And he's obviously addressing something here. But he's letting them know that they are as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. They're not Paul's mysteries. They're, They're God's mysteries. And the ministry, Paul said in other places, the ministry which God gave him. So Paul's ministry is not even Paul's ministry. It's God's ministry through Paul. Isn't that how he does it? Amen. God's no respecter of persons, so he'll exercise his ministry, in air quotes, through anybody he chooses. And that includes everybody in this room. Amen. And so he goes on to say that, moreover, Or in addition to that, it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. That's speaking of trust, being trustworthy, sure, or true as it relates to God's kingdom. Amen. And most, probably all of the, if you haven't noticed already, I'm reading out of the New King James and it's a little different. We don't have the New King James on our presenters, so it was too late for me to go out and change everything. So it's pretty close. So you'll get the gist, I believe. Hallelujah. We all know that Paul preached out of the original King James, right? <laughs> so, Lord, forgive me for preaching out of the New King James. <laughs> Glory to God. That word servant in that first verse. In the old, in the Olive Tree Enhanced Strong's Dictionary, it says that that word is hyperites. And it basically means an under oarsman. Everybody knows what an oarsman is. Yeah. Subordinate, assistant, sexton, constable, minister, officer, and servant. It also means an under rower, subordinate rower. Anyone who serves with hands, a servant in the New Testament of the officers and attendants of magistrates as of the officer who executes penalties of the attendants of a king, servants, retinue, and the soldiers of the king, of the attendant of a synagogue, of one of anyone ministering or rendering service, anyone who aids another in any work an assistant of the preacher of the gospel, of which every one of you in this room is. It also says in another place in the Bible, that word servant is not very very often used. This other word servant in the Greek is doulos. And that is a slave, literal or figurative, involuntary or voluntary, frequently, therefore, in a qualified sense of subjection and subserviency. Metaphorically, one who gives himself up to another's will. That's important. One who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Devoted to another, devoted to another, to the disregard of one's own interests. That's a powerful definition of a servant. And that's what he's asking. That's what Paul is saying that he was, he and Apollos. And that is what he's trying to tell the church that, and we'll get into this, that they need to be. That word steward. In the Olive Tree Enhanced Strong's dictionary, is oikonomos, and it means a house distributor, i.e., a manager, an overseer, an employee in that capacity. Figuratively, a preacher of the gospel. Metaphorically, the apostles and other Christian teachers and bishops and overseers. In verse 2, it says that they should be found or determined to be or recognized as faithful once again trustworthy sure or true as it relates to the kingdom the key the kingdom of god so you we've all worked in a in a as an employee somewhere and you've gone to work recently and many of us have worked for an employer and and so you get there and you know if if you're the type of person like me, you're very conscientious and I, I want to give my boss a hundred, there's no such thing as 110%, but I want to give my boss 110%. I want him to know that I'm there to do what he needs me to do for that eight hours. I'm not one of these people. Now, if there's no work to do and I'm sitting there taking a break for 15 minutes, that's different. But by and large, that's my, that's my M.O., but we've all worked with people and we've worked at jobs where you can pretty much, after not very long there, you can pretty much make a determination as to who the slackers are and who the workers are. Am I right? You don't have to ask. You just, If you're a person that just observes, it's not going to take you very long. And it's not going to take the boss very long to figure out who those people are that he doesn't have to Lead them around and guide them around, and tell them three times how to do something. And there's there's people like that in every job. That just they're just they're they're physically there, but their mind is somewhere else. And it's like pulling teeth to try to get them to do anything, and they do enough so that they won't get fired. We all love those kind of people, right? Makes our job even harder. But, you know, over time, that kind of person with that kind of attitude on a job eventually is going to be gone. They will inadvertently, without realizing they've done it, work themselves or not work themselves out of a job, so to speak. And so, Paul is saying to the church that this person that's supposed to be a steward is to be found or determined or recognize to be faithful. That makes sense? Faithful in service and fulfillment to God's will in His kingdom. How would that be determined in the kingdom? How is it determined if we're faithful? By fruit? By works? Yep. Yeah. Commitment. Level of commitment that you have? Devotion, whether or not you have something called buy-in. Anybody ever heard that term? Having buy-in. Not just trying to do the absolute minimum to barely squeak into the kingdom. Are there people like that in the church? There's absolutely people like that in every church. It's, It's just the truth. There's people that are going to do whatever the minimum that they have to do just to make it. And that's their attitude. James two seventeen and 18 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith. What does it say? buy my works you don't have to as a as a conscientious employee on a job you don't have to go around telling everybody how good of a worker you are you don't have to toot your own horn <laughs> the person that toots their own horn is just tooting <laughs> i borrowed that from somebody else <laughs> A wise elder woman said that to her son. <laughs> but seriously, you don't have to toot your own horn if you're a, if you're a good worker, if you have a conscientious attitude, if you are if you're devoted and dedicated to your job, whether it's here in the church or at your secular job, you it'll be recognized. If you're just doing your job every day and just putting your nose to the grindstone, as they say, and you're just there doing your job. You're focused on being the best employee that you can be, as we should be as apostolics and Christians. You don't have to tell anybody. They will recognize that. And God will recognize that too. You do well on your job, and they're going to recognize that. And they're going to... They're going to make it worth your while. They're going to, there's going to be raises involved. There's going to be good evaluations they are going to get you extra time off. I always get an excellent evaluation at work. I'm not bragging. I just do because I go there with the attitude that I'm going to give him everything I got. And it gets me time off and it gets me extra money. I don't do it for that. If I got nothing... I would still give 110% of myself. Because I have that scripture up in my cubicle that says, Do all that, you, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto man. So if I do it as unto the Lord, I got it all covered. But we don't always do things like that because we're flesh. Going on in 1 Corinthians chapter four, verses three and five it says, But with me it is very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Now I'm asking myself, why is Paul saying this? There's gotta be a reason. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Verse four for I know that so I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. I don't even judge myself. I let the Lord do that. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Who will, bring, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Counsels. The attitudes that are in your heart. God knows you don't even know your own heart. That's what the Bible says. Your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's not just there by accident. God knows His creation. You don't even know your own heart right now sitting here. There's, oh, It's not talking about that one. The inner man. The heart of an individual. It's all going to come to light when Jesus comes. That's what Paul's telling them. Now, to me, when I read this, it sounds like that the people in the church in Corinth were having a little bit of an issue with Paul. And some of the things he was saying. That never happens in a church, does it? There's never people that have an issue with something the pastor says. Ever. Whoever said that, you're lying. am <laughs> not calling you a liar, I'm just saying. But there's the people in Corinth must have had an issue with Paul or else he wouldn't have had the, felt the compunction to write what he wrote. He was addressing something. And I believe it was a critical spirit. Critical of the ministry of someone that God has called and sent to lead his people. Is that a new spirit? No. That spirit's been around since the beginning of time. It's been around, it was around when Moses was walking the earth. I don't have to go into the story, but even his own sister was critical of him. And what happened to her? She ended up with leprosy for questioning the man of God. David was criticized. Oh, he's too young. Oh, he's too inexperienced. Oh, he's this, he's that. But God knows who he chooses. I could go on. We could talk about every prophet in the, in the Old Testament. Every single last one of them. What did Jesus get on the, the Pharisees and the scribes about? You've killed the prophets that God sent. Why were they killed? Because of what they said. And God would tell that prophet... Like Ezekiel, he would say, I want you, I'm telling you this is what you're going to say, and I don't want you to look at their faces. I don't want you to be concerned about what they think about you. I'm just telling you, I want you to just go and say what I tell you to say. And I know they're not going to listen, but I want you to say it anyway. Why would he do that? Why would he have a prophet speak something into your hearing, knowing that you're not going to listen? Why would God have a reason to do that? Because once you heard it, you're accountable. And that goes against your account, not the prophet's. He spoke what he was supposed to say. Whether you heard it or not is irrelevant. Whether you acknowledged it or not is irrelevant to God. And so all Paul was doing here was doing exactly what the prophets of the Old Testament did. He was writing to admonish the church to stay focused on what they're supposed to stay focused on and don't get comfortable and don't get lax. and don't. What happens when people get comfortable and they get lax? It's just like in the military in peacetime. We get relaxed. We get comfortable. Our security at our gates kind of... You know it's kind of lackadaisical, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in with a some kind of a bomb or something. And they get past security, and then what happens? Security goes up. Whoop! Nobody can get in. All the contractors, sorry. When 9/11 happened, I was working in a Bell South telephone office in Louisville, Kentucky, on that day. I was just a con- I was I was a vendor in there. I didn't work for Bell South, and I was in there in a space that was designed for people like me to be in there it was a co-location space we had equipment in there it didn't matter a bell south employee came into that area where all those cages were and told every one of us to get out now pack your stuff and get out they weren't accusing us of anything they just wanted any non-bell south employees out of the building just as a precaution Paul was trying to help and admonish the people of God. And why did God have Paul write this? Because in perpetuity, it still applies to us today. We can't just read this and go, well, that was for them. No, that's for us today. Paul and Apollos and others saw themselves and lived And live their own lives as servants and stewards. That's how he lived. And they were just trying to help the body of Christ to find that place in that mindset. What did Paul say? Everything that I have that I've counted as gain, I count it as loss now for the excellency that's in Christ Jesus. What was gain? Anything, any stuff, his education. He studied under the the most profound teacher of the day. None of that mattered anymore. None of that matters anymore. That's what he's saying. None of those things about me matter anymore. I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to Him. The only reason I'm saying this stuff is because this is what God's telling me to do. Going on, 1 Corinthians 4, 3-5 through five in the New Living Translation says this, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. I found that to be profound. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide if I'm right or not. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest darkest secrets into light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give each one whatever praise is due. We have private motives. Did you know that? We have dark secrets. Do you know that? You should. You need to acknowledge it. I was telling the young people, There's never going to be a day ever in your life until Jesus comes that you won't have to ask God for forgiveness for something. There's never going to be a day that God's not going to deal with you about something in your life. Never. It never stops. Because we're flesh. I thank God for 1 John 1 and 9. He is flesh. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I know I'm going to go there. I'm not going to mean to do it, but I know I'm going to go there. I just need you to be there to convict me. The minute I open my mouth or think it, God, I need you to convict me so I can repent of that. 1 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. That you may learn not to think or how about entertain the thought of or opinion of beyond what is written. Written where? In the Word of God. That none of you may be puffed up. That word means arrogant. On behalf of one against the other. Now, that doesn't happen in the church either, does it? We don't have arrogancy and we don't have people pitting one against the other, do we? For who makes you differ from another? That's what I call a rhetorical question. Because it sure ain't God. God. Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast? Oh, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. And what do you have that you did not receive from the Lord or from someone else? What do you have that you didn't receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? I did all this myself. It's me that did it. I'm the one that's awesome. That's the attitude. We gained it by our own efforts. You don't have anything. If you, if you trust what this book says, if you believe that God is real, if you believe that this message is true, if you believe that you are a servant of the Most High God, then nothing belongs to you. Servants don't own anything. They don't. They don't even own themselves. They belong to the one that bought them. So your house, your car, your clothes, your stuff, none of it's yours. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So your mind is not even yours. It should belong to Him. Reading on, 1 Corinthians 4, 8-13. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. He's, reading, he's writing this to the church. Just think about, you're in the church and the person, because most of the people in the church couldn't write or read, so the person that's reading this <laughs> has to read this for the first time. <laughs> and it's getting a little tight in there. In whoever's house they're in. And it went from house to house. It's getting a little tight when they're reading this stuff. Because this is a letter. It's not a book. Right? Paul wrote a letter. And those that were in the church that acknowledged who Paul was in his ministry took this very seriously. Some of them didn't, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to write the letter. Admonishing them, right? And indeed, I could wish you did reign... That we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us. He's talking about him and Apollos, right? I think that God has displayed us, the apostles last or least or at the back of the line, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we have both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as filth or trash or garbage to the world. The offscouring of all things until now. Oh, how exciting it must have been to be an apostle back in that day. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get a line going here. Who wants to be an apostle? Sign me up right now, right? That's what they were saying in the church. No, it's not what they were saying. After that description of how he was, his life was, an apostle, who would want to be one? But that's what the life that God gave him. And he was happy. He was honored. And we should be too. But in peacetime and as things just kind of got relaxed, the church kind of got relaxed and some stuff started happening in the church. Does that happen today? We cannot become weary in well-doing. We cannot become, take as the Bible says, take our ease in Zion. We cannot just sit back, church, and just think, well, we got this. I'm good. I'm in. I got my seat on the bus. I got my ticket. It's all good. I'm in the church. There's, there's other religions that feel that way that one of them I came out of. That once you're in the church, you're in the church, period, End the story. Once saved, always saved, right? There's some people that believe that out there, too. Is that true? Absolutely not. Could I backslide tomorrow? I, Lord willing, I won't. <laughs> but I could. And so could you. You could be sitting right here right now, backsliding on the pew. And none of us can tell. Does that happen? All the time. Demas. Right? Oh, what happened, Demas. He started slip-sliding away there, didn't he? Just started separating himself and just not going to all the functions and, you know, kind of coming in late and and all those things. He, He just started losing interest. Something happened in here. It's a relationship, right, that we have? It's a relationship, isn't it? If you don't maintain that relationship, something's going to happen. I've been married almost 39 years, and if I told my wife on day one, if if I, I told you I love you the first day when we were at the altar, if I changed my mind, I'll let you know. She wouldn't have gone for that, Sister Becker, would she? And if I told her I'll only talk to you on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for an hour, that wouldn't work either. But that's what we do, isn't it? I'll give you an hour, God. That's all you get today. The rest of the day is mine. I'm doing what I want today. But see, God, I got this schedule. See my day timer? I got this stuff I got going on. I got to make all my appointments. Like he doesn't know that you have appointments. Oh, exciting times it was for them guys being disciples and apostles. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, man, boy, I tell you what, there was just a line of mile long waiting. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, to warn you. To caution you, to reprove you, to gently admonish you. He was trying his best. You know, Paul liked to write, well, we'll get into it, but he didn't want to have to come down on people. But if he had to, he just did it. It wasn't about Paul exercising his authority. It was about the kingdom. He was trying to keep people saved. That's all God's doing here today is trying to keep people saved. If you're waiting for some holy anointed voice to, to come to you from heaven, and you're not listening to what's being said from whether it's me or whoever it is that stands up here and speaks, if you're waiting for God to send you a still, small voice, He might just be saying something to you right here. But sometimes we get it in our head, Oh, no, 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 i got to hear from God directly. Isn't that what the prophets were? Isn't that what Moses was? The voice of God to the people. I'm not lifting myself up, but I'm telling you right now, I don't, I don't study for a, a, a message. I don't. I used to, but I don't. God's helping me. I just wait on God to tell me what to say. So if whatever I'm saying today is from Him. You need to receive this. Because it's from Him, not from me. I'm just the vessel. Okay? Verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet, you do not have many fathers. My my father in the faith passed away during COVID. My, my my earthly, spiritual father, my first pastor in Okinawa, he passed away during COVID at 83. I miss that man. I always called him dad every time I saw him because he was my spiritual dad. He put things in me that probably you, if you knew him, and you met him and were around him very often. You'd say you're just like your dad, because I am. I pick my wife and I picked up a lot of who, who we are in God today from those two people, brother and sister Dennis. It's a it's a beautiful thing, as I say. <laughs> For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. It's serious. I take it serious when God uses me to win a soul. I don't know how to say this. I just, When you spend time and money and devote yourself to discipling somebody, you take it serious. You, take, you see them as your own children. And that's how Paul saw this. He wasn't just coming down on them. He was loving the people of God. They, some of those people he had, had intimate relationships with in the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, or I beseech you, imitate me. Paul said that in other places, hasn't he? 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Ephesians 5 and 1, be imitators of God as dear children. Same guy, writing the same thing. Why did he say, follow me as I follow Christ? Well, who was his example? Jesus Christ. So that means he must have said, went to the book and said, what is Je- how did Jesus do it? What did he do? What did he say? How did he act? How did he respond? That's how I'm going to act, respond. That's what I'm going to say. What did Jesus say through his whole ministry? I'm here to please my Father. I'm here to do what my Father wants me to do. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it because the Father's telling me to do it. If Whatever I'm saying, I'm saying it because the Father's telling me to say it. So we should follow that same example, shouldn't we? Be, he, he's beseeching the church, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you. Why, why did he send Timothy? Because the only time Paul ever wrote letters was when he was in prison. <laughs> you think that was by design? Absolutely. I'm sending you Timothy, who is beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ and as I, as I teach in every church. I haven't changed the message here, folks. That's what Paul's saying. And I'm sending you Timothy, who I trust, to teach you the same things I'm teaching you. Timothy was one of those guys that you knew on that job you could trust him. You knew that you could leave the responsibility of millions of dollars worth of equipment into that guy's hands, and he would handle it well. I have that happen to me all the time. And it's overwhelming sometimes that I'm left in responsibility of millions and millions of dollars worth of electronics equipment. But those people trust me unequivocally. They trust me. How, is that, how did that happen? I've proven myself. I've proved to them, not by telling them, not by trying to fake it till I make it, but by my actions, I have proved to them that I can be trustworthy and I will take care of that equipment as if it's my own personal stuff. And that's what what Timothy was being sent to do. That's what God sends men around the world to do. Same thing he sent Paul to do. God knew that Paul was in prison. It was was in his perfect will that Paul be in prison. was like, I need you to slow down, son, so I can get you to write some stuff. Because Paul was just one of those go, 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 go guys. Always on his journey somewhere. So the Lord had to allow him to be arrested and put in prison for the sake of the gospel. We We would find ourselves in that situation and... Be crying out to God, Why am I here? Get me out of this situation when God's going, No, no, I put you there. No, nothing happens by accident. Nothing. God knows who to send with the Word from the Holy Ghost. You can be critical of the The mailman, but he's just the mailman. Just because you get a a letter from the sheriff delivered to your house doesn't mean the sheriff's a bad guy. He's just doing his job. He's delivering the word that the judge sent to you. Don't take it out on the sheriff. Don't take it out on the mailman. If God's dealing with you today, right now, don't take it out on me. Don't blame me. Talk to God. God has always used men throughout creation people to speak his word. Esther what an awesome thing she did. What an awesome thing she did. God used a prostitute a whore to carry the seed of the seed down through time to King David. When that city was dropped to the ground, he used a whore to carry that seed. God's not afraid to use anybody. He knows where we are. He knows the people that are out there shacking up. He's not going to just hold the Holy Ghost back from them because they're doing that. He's going to, if they're hungry, he's going to go ahead and give it to them, and then deal with that stuff later. So we've got to be careful how we handle those situations. Don't judge a thing before it's time, right? I remember Brother Harold Hoffman, I think it might have been here at our camp in Wisconsin, when he said, Jesus isn't on the judgment seat yet, so we better not be on the judgment seat yet. He said, we need to be where he is, and where is he? On the mercy seat right now. We need to be on the seat of mercy. Because we don't know what God's doing. He's not going to tell us all the details. This message has not changed. And I'm getting ready to come to a close. Has it? This message has never changed. Holiness has never changed. Times have changed. But holiness, the idea, the concept of holiness, separation, Has never changed. Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Period. End of story. So God's been God came today to talk to us about being servants and stewards. Are we stewards of his blessings? All of his blessings are not good. A trial is a blessing. Yes, it is. A test is a blessing, isn't it? Physical ailment, financial problem, it's all. it can all be a blessing. God can be allowing you, if He allowed Paul to be in prison and to be beaten and to be stoned to death nearly and all those things, those were all blessings. We are his servants and stewards. Paul is talking to us today. We are his chosen generation. Let's all stand. We're his royal priesthood. We're his holy nation. We're his peculiar people that he set apart. He has dispatched and sent us and is sending us as laborers into his harvest. His harvest is truly great, and his laborers are few. But, imagine God had a but. He had to insert a but there. But my laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. How do we get laborers? You as a laborer. You're out there, and you drop a word of the Lord in somebody's mind or speak a word into their ears, and they get hungry, and then they come and ask you to, to, for more, and you give them more, and they keep getting hungry, and you keep giving them more, and pretty soon they're meeting with you and spending an hour with you talking about the Bible, and pretty soon they're asking you more detailed questions about how how can I be saved, and and all that goes on and then then one thing leads to another and they end up here in this baptismal tank and they're and they get filled with the holy ghost while they're standing in there in the water dripping wet and then then it stops right there, right? We're, they're in the church, they're done, find them a seat, put put their name on it and tell them that's where they sit. Cuz we all have assigned seats. Don't we? You don't think so till somebody sits where you always sit, <laughs> and then you got to go find another seat. I've seen people say, "Up, that's my seat." You're going to have to get up and move to to a visitor. Yeah, I've seen it happen in one of our churches. Sad, and I wasn't in a position to say anything, so I just said, "Oh Lord, help them." But you have to continue to disciple that person. And guess what they become? A laborer. And then they go find somebody. And they go through that whole process again. And they bring that person here to this baptismal tank. The same thing happens all over again. Lather, rinse, repeat, right? That's what it says on the shampoo bottle. That's the same concept. Do it the same way over and over. God developed a plan that works. He did. He made us stewards of all of of what He has. We're stewards. We have this truth. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Whatever you have received freely, freely give. It's free. You can't save anybody, but you sure can talk to them about it. Only God can save them. Only God can add to the church daily. Such as should be saved. His harvest is great. His labors are few. Father, we love you today. We praise you today, Lord, for speaking to us today about being stewards, about being servants, Lord Jesus. You're trying to get a message across to us, God. You're trying to get a hold of our spirit. You're trying to get a hold of our mind, God. You're trying to get a hold of us You're trying to shake us loose, O God, from our lethargy. You're trying to shake us loose, O God, from our mediocrity and our complacency, O God, from the comfort that we find ourselves in, O God. You're trying to shake us loose, O God. You're sending your word to us, O God, in so many different ways. God, that you would give us ears to hear today what your Spirit has said today. In this place, Lord Jesus, what Your Spirit is trying to say, Lord, soften my heart. Soften my heart, Lord Jesus. Cause me to receive the engrafted Word that's able to save and deliver me, God. Lord, I want to step up to do what You would have me to do, Lord Jesus. I want to step up and step into that role that You've called me to, God. Oh, God, help me not to hesitate any longer, Lord. Help me not to hold back any longer. Help me not to make any more excuses, oh, God. But help me to put my hand upon the plow and to not look back, Lord Jesus. For this last day that we're living in, God, God. There's the souls that need to be added to your kingdom, God. And what are we going to do when they come by the hundreds, O oh God? We're going to have to be ready, Lord Jesus, to handle the influx, O oh God, that's coming, O oh God, the harvest that's coming, Lord Jesus. Lord, in the of your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus, in me. Have your way in my mind. Have your way in my spirit, uh, Father. Have your way, not my will, Lord Jesus. Uh, my will is gone. I, I completely and totally, Lord Jesus, lay my will down and allow Your will to to accomplish whatever You would have me to do, Lord, for Your kingdom and for Your glory. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You're worthy, you're righty, you're holy, you're magnificent, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking this word to your people today, oh God. Let us hear it, oh God, in our spirit, Lord, not just in our natural ears. Let us hear what you're saying in our spirit today. Move upon your people, God! don't let us forget what was spoken. Don't let us forget, don't let the enemy steal it from us, O oh God, as we walk out the doors of this building, Lord, that we would meditate upon it, O oh God, that we would oh God, that we would think about it day and night, Lord, keep it in our thoughts and in the forefront of our mind in the name of Jesus. hallelujah, Lord, it's not about me, O oh God. Help me, Lord Jesus. I just came to deliver. Oh, God, what you wanted me to deliver in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Worthy Jesus, you're worthy Jesus, you're worthy Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Shano manie no si kieto no manie koto sotie shono kotiki no manie Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh mighty God, your mighty God, your mighty God. God is very surgical. The Bible says it's a two-edged sword able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When God's speaking to us, no matter who it is, He is doing surgery. He's he's working. He's trying to cut in there. He's trying to get in there and dig some things out of us so that He can put some things into us so that we can be worthy vessels for Him. I want to be a worthy vessel, don't you? We're just the clay. He's the potter. The clay doesn't say to the potter how to make it. He just sits there on the wheel and waits for the potter to make him the way that he wants him to be made. Paul said that he was praying until Christ be formed in them. I want Christ to be formed in me in everything that I think, everything that I say, everything that I do, everywhere that I go. In Jesus' name, Father, we love you today. We thank you for your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, Lord Jesus, upon your people. For speaking to us today, Lord, as we go from this place, Lord, that you would minister your power and glory to every heart, soul, mind, and spirit in this place. That you would go with us, O God, and that you would cover us with your blood that the enemy cannot take what we have received in this place today. Don't let the enemy steal it away, Lord. Let it be stay in our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, in Jesus' name.